previously on CSI Atlanta. You've seen these people in New York, uh, mafia, you know, the way they carry themselves and all. I can relate to that. It ain't nothing like that with us, because we're not, a, not us. My father and his boys, they wasn't a mafia. They was a group of guys that had come to learn how to make a lot of money very easily compared to working. If any young person thinks Billy Burt's a hero, how wrong are you? He's my hero because he's my daddy, and he's a hero as a daddy, but he's a cold-blooded murderer. He killed for self-preservation, revenge, money, and for hire. They ain't nothing heroic about that. I'm CBS 46 anchor Karen Greer, and you're listening to CSI Atlanta, the podcast. Each episode, I'll take you on a deep dive into some of Georgia's most fascinating criminal cases. I'm working alongside CBS 46 crime scene investigator extraordinaire Cheryl Mack McCollum and her team at the Cold Case Investigative Research Institute. By the late 1960s, Billy Sunday Burt was well-connected with other career con artists in Georgia. He and his Dixie Mafia ran moonshine all over the state. They robbed homes, businesses, and banks. They killed, sometimes for money, sometimes for their own personal gain. Sunday's son, Stoney, reflects on the power his father wielded during that time. At that time, they were the powers of Georgia that I knew of, the people who were smart and wouldn't keep pins. You had uh, nine people. They were just individuals who became so powerful in their little counties, uh, little, anything that you grew up two nickels together, make a quarter they were into. These powers did not, inter- they didn't intersect. They didn't deal with each other, but their common denominator was my father. In 1968, Jackson County Solicitor General Floyd Horde was assassinated when his car was rigged with dynamite. His death was part of a revenge plot. He'd recently aided a GBI raid on an illegal moonshine operation. That's what my father called the kingpin disease. It's when you get so powerful that you think you can just kill somebody because they make you mad. Sunday took issue with that mentality and didn't condone assassinations of elected officials. He called a meeting with the kingpins to discuss the murder. Nine-year-old Stoney sat in the front seat of his dad's car, waiting. He said, look, here it is. This ain't no good for business. What this man done was stupid. We want everybody to agree to never harm another elected official again. And if you do, give all of us time to back up and get ready for the hell that follows. And what it really meant, what what it really meant to all of them was give me time to give you. Now, after that meeting, there was never another public official harmed. And after that meeting, everybody realized that my dad was the common denominator. He didn't even know he was a leader. They just all looked to him because he was the common denominator and he was the most trusted one of them. 
1973, Sunday's lawlessness caught up to him. He took a murder-for-hire job alongside his associates, Billy Wayne Davis and Bobby Jean Gaddis. According to court documents, a used car salesman contacted Billy Wayne Davis for a murder robbery in Renz, Georgia. That's about 140 miles east of Atlanta. As Billy Wayne later testified, the plan targeted 75-year-old Reed Fleming and his wife, 72-year-old Lois Fleming. Mr. Fleming was a retired car salesman and was rumored to keep $50,000 at home. Billy Wayne said on the afternoon of December 22, 1973, he swapped his own car for a green Cadillac to use for the job. He claims he then drove his co-conspirators to Wrens. But on the way, the Cadillac broke down and they had to flag a passerby for help. The two men who pulled over to help them later told police about the interaction, confirming to detectives that the cons were in the area the night of the murder. Sunday and his gang were able to repair the car enough to continue their journey to Wrens. Billy Wayne told investigators he stayed outside while Bobby and Sunday carried out the plot. They got away with about $4,000. The following morning, the Flemings were noticeably absent from church. Their son stopped by the house to check on them. He later told police he knew immediately something was wrong when he got there. The door was unlocked, and the house had clearly been ransacked. He found the lifeless bodies of his elderly parents abandoned in their bedroom. Their hands and feet were tied up with bed sheets. The wire clothes hangers they had been strangled with were still twisted around their necks. The autopsy later revealed the couple had been tortured for a prolonged period of time. Bruising showed just how tightly the murderers had clamped the wires around their necks. Reports from the local paper state that even decades later, the community remembers this as one of the most gruesome murders in Wren's history. In 1975, Billy Sunday Burt was convicted and sentenced to death in the brutal murders of Reed and Lois Fleming. During the trial, Sunday denied having any part in the murder. He claimed he was with Billy Wayne that night, but made no mention of ever being at the Fleming house at all. You don't kill a hundred people and torture one time. Stoney is very candid when he talks about his father's notoriety. He's been the first to call him a murderer and to say his father belonged in prison for his wrongdoings. But he also says his father confessed to the crimes he committed, and this wasn't one of them. He did not put his hands around the, them two old people's neck and kill them for money. If he was sitting here, he would tell you he was responsible. Years went by as Sunday waited execution, giving him a lot of time to tell Stoney his side of the story. Him and Billy Wayne got in an argument. Sunday claimed he wasn't interested in robbing the Flemings and wanted to target three other big-ticket houses in the area instead. 
people going to be home. He's retired. How much money can you have? I'm going to hit these other three places because ain't nobody there. And two of them can't even report it. He made $40,000, him and Charlie, that night, burglarizing the Heyman house and two that were never reported. While Bill Wayne and Bobby went to the Wren's house, and they spent all night trying to prove themselves by coming up with more than the $4,000 the Wren's people had. And they thought it would impress my dad, but it went the other way. To my knowledge, the only thing he's ever been accused of that he didn't do is that one murder. By his own words, maybe over 100. That one double murder in Wrens. In 1997, Sunday was taken off of death row and sentenced instead to life in prison without parole. He spent the rest of his life behind bars until he died from natural causes in 2017. Can't say that he'd been mistreated. I was sitting there with him one time a couple weeks before he was supposed to be electrocuted. And uh, I was talking against the death penalty. And he said, wait a minute, son. He said, uh, I'm back here with 80 men. He said, every one of them is low down, no good, you know what. He said, don't ever talk against the death penalty. He said, well, if you went home right now and found your mother, your sister's murdered up, well, I want to kill him. Well, what if a state done got him and going to feed the son of you know what and let him watch TV the rest of his life? I got his point. And because of that, my family, my entire family, are death penalty proponents to this day. You've got to have law and order. And you've got to pay the consequences. People who do that have got to pay. It's never too late for, in the end, all you can take with you maybe is love and regrets. And he wrote that with 10 days before he died. In the last years of his father's life, Stoney compiled Sunday's stories to complete his book entitled Rock Solid, The True Story of Georgia's Dixie Mafia. Sometimes when I sign these books, I'll say, crossroads in life, be careful. Take time to think. Because if you take too many left turns, you get on a road you can't turn around. And the smartest thing you can do is choose when you come to a crossroad, if you can recognize it as a crossroad, Here's what people don't ever want to really accept. Your dad could be the greatest dad in the world and at the same time be the deadliest man in Georgia. He could. We all have layers to our life. We are all different people depending on who we're around. It's just true. And we've said it here a hundred times, but as a criminologist, as somebody that tries to fight crime, it's important for me to remember this person could be the pillar of the community and beat his wife. Or this person could be a good dad that shows up at the school and takes his son everywhere and teaches him right from wrong, but is murder for hire. You know, I didn't know who you were. I never heard of, when you called me a couple of times, I didn't register. And then when you come see me, then I got on for Google and I said, dang, this lady's a real policeman. So I'm sure that you know more than my daddy that have that same thing. Great family men, switch, 
Do you think you'll ever understand it? I don't. But I think it's important to hear about it. Subscribe to CSI Atlanta, the podcast, and check out our full stories on CBS46.com. CSI Atlanta is brought to you by CBS46, WGCL in Atlanta, Georgia. This podcast is hosted by me, Karen Greer, and CBS46 crime scene investigator Cheryl Mack McCollum. This episode produced by Rhiannon Youngbauer and Natasha Lee. Sound design by Ray Merriman. <laughs> <laughs>